with a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 13 games across the NFL, and in this episode, we're going to cover our regular weekly picks, get to the total tease, and, uh, well, we get to check in with our buddy the Doc and get Spiffy's gold pick of the week. Uh, also, Spiffy's got a couple good hot picks up his sleeve, too. But first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Atridge. And uh, how you doing, Andy? I'm doing quite well, thanks, Maddie. I had a great Thanksgiving day, barbecued chicken wings and pizza in front of the games on the deck. And, you know, had a couple of adult, adult beverages uh, along the way. And the Dallas Cowboys losing was just the cherry on top of that day. How about them, Cowboys? And I ate a lot. I think the whole country had more than enough to eat as well. They call them dumps. Big, massive dumps. Now, on Saturday night, Maddie, I was flicking around the dial, and I saw on pay-per-view that there was a sequel to Cocoon. And in this episode, Wilford Brimley smokes up before the spaceship arrives. What did you think of that one? Well, I thought it was appropriate. You know, he's got that medical need. He's got that diabetes. So he's got to, it's like <laughs> having glaucoma, man. Yeah, man. You got to, you got to help yourself out. Even the, cause everybody knows that even though he's an actor, he's playing a character. Every character he ever played had diabetes. I'm Wilfred Brimley. And I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. Actually about, I, uh, diabetes and, uh, 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 you know, uh, diabetes. I wish I wish I had been in a cocoon last week because week eleven was awesome fl- for me and made some great money line picks as well on week eleven. And you sent me that text on the Monday night. Don't fly too close to the sun. And like uh, <laughs> like George Costanza, I got greedy. I flew too close to the sun on wings of pastrami. So yeah. I I came back down to earth hard last week. Which uh, which happened, and what's funny is I actually had a really good Thanksgiving day of betting, but uh, man, yeah, I sun- did too. I did Sunday too, and Monday, and uh, it wasn't just the sides that I was correct on. So yeah, I was pleased. There's an interesting board this week. We got uh, a lot of large spreads on the board. A lot of large spreads on the board. Mm-hmm. A couple tight games, but uh, it's going to be an interesting week thirteen playoff. Pictures uh, kind of shaping up in the in the league. A lot of teams in the hunt too because they got that extra playoff spot uh, this year as well. I'm kind of interested to see how that format plays out with just the first seed getting the bye week. Uh, well, let's fire it up, eh, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. Let's fucking go! First game on the docket, we head to Tennessee, and uh, well, five and a half point favorites, and that's uh, might be a little bit of the recency effect because recently they've been kicking ass because they've got a certain guy by the name of Derrick Henry who averages more than like five yards a carry. How do you even stop that? Anyway, the Cleveland Browns are coming to town. They got a hell of a rushing attack as well. In fact, this is the number one rushing offense in Cleveland taking on the number two rushing offense in Tennessee. And if I was going to put up a back against Derrick Henry, uh, Nick Chubb, he's pretty good, isn't he? He's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Just pretty good. 
he's racking up some uh, some yardage and some points uh, as well. They both are. I mean, there is that recency effect. You know, the Titans they put up a really convincing win uh, against the Colts, forty-five to twenty-six. But keep in mind that um, the last score was you know AJ Brown. Uh, recovering the onside kick and taking it into the house. Um, you know, had they recovered, that, that game would have looked a lot closer um, aesthetically. So I think, I think Tennessee. This is a this is really a matter of uh, uh, buying low and selling high because you know you saw Jacksonville come back on Cleveland and you know they they required a a two point conversion to go awry. Otherwise, that game would have gone into overtime. I I really like taking the points here with Cleveland. I know Tennessee's a good team, but, you know, Cleveland's fighting for, for a playoff spot, and I'm not saying that they're, they're any more motivated than the Titans, but five and a half points for two teams that are going to be running the ball, this game's going to be decided in the trenches, and um, I like taking the points in, in a situation like that. Well, weeks ago, I put up that uh, little chart on Almost Wise Guys' Facebook page that was like the Baker Mayfield cycle. You know, play yes. well, then right. talk some shit, then lay an egg <laughs> against a good team, then everybody yeah. doubts him, then he his teammates come to his defense or something like that, and then he goes out and he beats a shitty team and the cycle starts all over. So Baker Mayfield against teams over 500, one and three record, 53.8 completion percentage, four touchdowns, five picks, and a 64.3 passer rating. And the Browns, they have the worst point differential for a team to start eight and three or better through the first 11 games in the history of the league. They're minus 21. That's <laughs> not, that's not sustainable. And they've, they've been lucky because they can play a little bit of ball control. Like I said, they've got Nick Chubb and they've got a pretty decent defense, uh, but their defense is more geared to towards the pass rush and not shutting down a rushing attack. Um, Guess who they're getting back this week, and that's Miles Garrett, right? Yes, they are getting Miles Garrett back, and that does help their pass rush. But when I think of the Tennessee Titans, I don't really think of having to game plan to stop their passing attack. I always think of I need to stop Derrick Henry. That's a tough chore. And the Browns, yeah. they've won four of their last five, but those wins came against some pretty lackluster competition. They've beat the Jags, Eagles, Texans, and Bengals. Now, the Texans are kind of coming on. But, but they, they they had to also beat Mother Nature in those monsoons they played in, right? They did. I just I, I I look at this game, I see Tennessee at home, and I just I think that if you're gonna talk ball control, I'm gonna give the nod to the Tennessee Titans at home here, minus five and a half. But if that creeps up much higher, I would definitely look at Cleveland. Well, up next, we're going to head to the Meadowlands. And before anybody emails me to correct me, I know it's called MetLife Stadium. But you know what? Let me tell you something. Fuck MetLife. It doesn't pay. And I really don't think that I have to advertise for a bunch of stupid cunts who want to pay to put their name on a stadium. So as far as I'm concerned, some places will always stay the same. For example, the Meadowlands are going to be called the Meadowlands. I'm not calling the Sky Dome the Rogers Center, even though they might tear it down. The concrete, is, is or I will accept. So I will accept the concrete convertible for the Skydome. 
Okay, ahead, isn't Andy. MetLife so apt in that they get um, Charlie Brown to be their representative? And you can picture Lucy holding the ball for him only to yank it out at the last minute, which is exactly what the Jets do week in and week out. Well, I was just going to say it would be a lot more appropriate if Charlie Brown was wearing a Jets jersey. Yeah, that would be a lot more appropriate, you know, but it is kind of also appropriate. They own a stadium that hurts a lot of people. They're an insurance company. Yeah, that makes you know? sense. I, you got to wonder if the actuary said it only makes sense if we put in turf that hurts people and we can cash in. See, insurance so, company executives are evil, really evil, like so evil that you would say it was evil, like it's the fruits of the devil. Should like, I guess re- like real estate agents taking the Jets for the third week in a row? Uh, let's talk about this. Okay. They, they did have their best, their last best chance. I felt to win a game this season last week against Miami. Instead, they shit the bed. And I, I, I think they're going to join the lions as a, a team. That's going to have an Owen 16 season on their record. And they're shitty against the spread three and eight against the spread. Oh, one yeah, more see, thing against couple, them. Here. I don't know if you recall, but a couple of years ago, they weren't the best team either, but, they were covering spreads like a monster. Like, they, were, they were, but like that's the difference this year. They're not. Spread. Yeah. This, oh, no, they're just horrible, man. They're just like, horrible. They've allowed 30 points or more in all six non-divisional games this season. You know, what does that say? And the Raiders can score points. Sometimes well, they, they have a problem keeping points off the board. Well, they, they didn't last week. Points. <laughs> no. Last week, they laid an egg. They were in a letdown spot. You and I got yeah. caught with our pants down on that one. I will yeah. own that. Um, yeah. But... I mean, the Jets, they've scored 17 points or fewer in eight games this season. They just, I, I can't, they're, they're such a dumpster fire. And I'm a Bears fan saying that. Jeez. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Well, I, I think the best, best way to write that pirate ship of the Raiders is, is a game against the Jets. That'll, that'll make them right again. And to go in and just absolutely whoop their ass. Yeah. I, I think uh, Gruden's going to be pretty pissed after their performance against the Falcons last week. 43-6. to six. Wow. And Gruden teams travel well. I'm, I'm going to take the Raiders here. Uh, I don't think I'm going to put my own money on this game, but I never do when the Jets are playing. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. Let's jump over to Minnesota, where the Vikings are laying 10 points against the visiting Jacksonville Jaguars. 52 is your over-under for the game. Mike Glennon, 6-17 and 17 in his career as a starter. His last win was actually in 2017 with Chicago, week 3 of 2017. And uh, the Vikings, they've come on a bit. They, they're 4-1 since coming off their bye in week 7. They started 1-5, so they have turned it yeah. around. But uh, Jacksonville's just... They're heading where the Jets are. They're 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 going down. They're going down, but they put up a fight. They put up a fight last week. Right? They always uh, seem to put up a bit of a fight. I, I don't like the 10 points here, by the way. I'm just saying Jacksonville's. No, tight. they don't. And, you know, if you look at Minnesota's win over the Panthers, the Panthers own that box score. Uh, unfortunately, did. on two consecutive drives, on two consecutive plays, they coughed up the ball for, for uh, a, a fumble recovery into the end zone. Yep. To the same and, player. 
Yeah, same player. I don't. It's never happened before, of course. I'm sure, uh, but like you can't count on that sort of thing week in and week out for as consistency goes. And they only beat they only beat the Panthers by one point. Um, I like I I like Jacksonville with the ten points here. Yeah, both um, teams have both, a. Oh, go ahead, man. No, I was going to say you're probably going to say they they could, both can run the ball well, right? Yeah, they both can run the ball well, and both teams are hovering around five hundred to get a record against the spread. And of the Vikings' last five games, only one has gone over a 10-point spread. That was a win against uh, the Detroit Lions in early November. And of the Jags' last five games, only one has gone over a 10-point spread. That was a loss uh, versus Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. So I'm with you, man. I think I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars with the points. Well, let's hit South Beach, where the Miami Dolphins are laying 11 and a half points against this visiting Cincinnati Bengals. 41 and a half is your over-under. That, Andy, is a ridiculous amount of points for such a low total. And, you know, I know Tua's on track to return here for this game. And he's got probably, a three. Probably. probably. It's a Sunday decision, but yeah. That's that's why I said on track. And, yeah. you know, he's the, he's got a three and one record. But he's only got a 61.9 completion percentage and 120.4 pass yards per game. Yeah, no, now, he's no, no. His efficiency no, no. is good, though, 100, 100 uh, passer rating because he's got six touchdowns, no picks. So he does take care of the ball that way. Right, um, but those numbers don't justify a double-digit spread. 100% not. And in fact, I would say they would have better chance covering that 11 and a half points with Fitzpatrick at quarterback than they would with Tua. Oh, I think so too. I think there's no question about that. And just cause you know, Fitz obviously with, Joe, with Joe Burrow, it's not a huge, it's not a huge downgrade uh, to what uh, Brendan Allen is. No, like obviously Burrow's a better quarterback, but I don't think like you said, it's 11 and a half points. The Bengals are great against the spread this year, seven and four. Yeah. Miami though they've been pretty good too, eight and three. So and the Dolphins have a plus eighty one point differential the first half of the season, which is uh, the second most in the NFL. Right, so but that's how defense is here. Their defense has been one hundred percent. I'm just putting it out there that yeah. you know, Miami can stop stop teams. However, I'm with you. Eleven and a half points. That's too many for for this Miami team. That's too many. Unless Dan Marino and uh, Super Duper are going to make a comeback with Larry Zonka at fullback, I don't think they're covering this eleven and a half points. Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. Dugger. Sex is tatted on my arm. Got used to know my back. Cause I love the city I'm from. Hands up if you feel that. Well, the Houston Texans are three and a half point home dogs this week against the visiting Indianapolis Colts. 53 and a half year over over under. I think once again Indianapolis is getting a, a pinch too much respect. But before we talk about the game, how about you uh shed a little love for Deshaun Watson and his charitable works? Well, uh, his charitable foundation was the beneficiary of more than a thousand dollars, which were gladly donated by Lions fans 
Um, many of the amounts were $13, which is commensurate with the 13 wins that Matt Patricia had accrued as their head coach. So that was a thank you for putting the final nail in the coffin and getting him and, uh, and O'Brien as the uh, GM out of Detroit. Now, I would, I would like to say, as a Bears fan, I would have liked to have seen Patricia stay in there a couple more years because at least I could say in the NFC North, because we got Matt Nagy, I could say, well, at least we don't have Matt Patricia. Now, where, where does that leave me? And what kills me is, by the way, they fired Jim Caldwell who actually had a 500 record, actually slightly higher, a couple ticks higher than 500 when he was coaching the Lions. They fired him for Matt Oh, Patricia, I, think he said who, the, I think he said the best record since Wayne Fonts. Yes. Pre- probably even uh, a higher winning percentage than Fonts. Uh, no, I think Fonts had a little higher than 50%. Yeah, okay. Wayne, wait, remember, Wayne Fonts also had Barry Sanders, who just won games by himself because he's Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, yeah. Yeah, so uh, anyway, this game right here, in Houston, three and a half points. Deshaun Watson over his last six games has been nothing short of incredible. A 71% completion percentage, uh, 1,750 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, and almost more importantly, zero turnovers. How about that? Yeah, he's taking care of the ball. Um, many of those receptions were to a gentleman named Will Fuller the fourth, who is now out for this game. Yeah. And I think that uh, along uh, with Bradley Roby. Right, so I mean that's going to be very conspicuous on that offense. Uh, now, can we guys like that? Can we talk about this for just two seconds? Because I think it's absolutely hilarious. Because who would have foreseen Will Fuller and Bradley Roby getting uh, six game PED ex- uh, suspensions for banned substances? Who would have thought of that when their assistant strength and conditioning coach is Brian Cushing? who was, you know, only busted twice as a player for PED use. These are thoughts. These are things that make you say. Can't figure out how that got in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. Hard to believe. But anyway. And, uh, what's, fun- what's funny about this line is it started at, uh, it started at two and a half and then crossed that magical number of three and now it's at three and a half. But even at three and a half, uh, and I, I'm going to say at minus three and a half, I think the Colts are still getting disrespected here. I think they're a way better football team than Houston. And I realize that they're on the road and they had a tough game, uh, obviously against the Titans last week. But um, if, they, if they're if they going to keep pace in the AFC, they need to win this one. And this is a very winnable game for them. So I don't see them taking their foot off the gas at all. Uh, and I'll be taking them at three and a half. Well, the Texans are four and three under interim head coach Romeo Cornell. Uh, 0-4 under Bill O'Brien. And I really like the way they're coming on this week, this year. And I think three and a half points, I think they can keep it within three and a half points. In fact, I think this is an outright winnable game. This is my first oh, oh, money. Oh, oh, oh. That's right, brother. It's my first money line, Maddie. Pick of the week. And that's the end of that chapter.
Up next, we go to Soldier Field, where my Chicago Bears, who are on their way down. The Bears are who we thought they were. Somehow are three-point favorites against the Detroit Lions. 45's your over-under. Uh, last week, dude, how about this? And this is why the Bears need a change in coaching and a change in GM, if, 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 as a matter of fact. Last week was the seventh year in a row that the Bears came out of a bye week and shit the bed. And not just lost, but lost hands down. I mean, decisively, I think yeah. is the word you're looking for. <laughs> decisively, yeah. This this team has given like up on up Nagy. Three touchdowns in the first three possessions to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, this this team has given up on Nagy. I'm actually at the point where I hope they lose out so they can at least salvage a decent draft pick out of this season. However, the Bears are so inept at management, they'll fuck that up too. Their record in the last five games, 0-5, 17.6 points per game on offense, but they're allowing 26.8 on D, and their turnover differential is minus seven. It, that does not look good. Well, and, and so you've got two teams that are going down the tank, right? Detroit right. showed a, little, a few signs of promise in September. And, you know, Chicago got off to a, an awesome start. But they're going down the tank. And the, the only difference is that one of those teams is still in denial. At yeah, least that's Detroit true. severed ties with their GM and their, their head coach. And Chicago still has Matt Nagy on the sidelines. In all fairness, in their 100-year history, Chicago's have never fired a coach midseason. So I don't expect uh, the McCaskies to do that anytime soon no they won't they're they're a class act and i don't expect that either but um you know detroit detroit doesn't have a huge history of doing that as well but matt patricia's uh, overstayed his welcome by um, quite a while um you know this is your standard issue three-point divisional spread um i mean it doesn't really surprise me that it's minus three but um chicago cannot put up points and detroit can move the ball down the field and score points and you know I, I know that chicago's defense is head and shoulders above that of the lions but um in terms of scoring i, th I think the lions have the edge here and i'm going to take the three points with them on the road and soldier field all right i am pretty down on my bears but i was doing my research mitch trubisky has not lost to detroit in his tenure and actually always plays his best football against the detroit lions he's at home this uh this week, Mitch Trubisky has 14 career touchdown passes versus the Lions. But uh, the Lions, they've lost four of their last five games by 10 or more points. So you could score on them. And I think if you got a pretty anemic offense, um, but you're still averaging, you know, 17.6 point per game, you can get over 20. And I think the Bears can hold them a bit. I think everybody listening to this show should listen to Andy because I'm a Bears fan and unfortunately... For whatever reason, I like to punch myself in the groin every Sunday. So I'm picking the Bears. And uh, yeah, how does my voice sound? Very confident, right? Yeah, too confident. <laughs> the Bears. The Bears. Yo, 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 yo. To Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Alright, now we go to Atlanta uh, Another home dog A three-point home dog and uh, the New Orleans Saints are coming to town 46 year over under for this And I want to say this right now Taysom Hill is not a good quarterback and last week's performance against the Broncos showed it. I know they put up a bunch of points, but let's face it. The Broncos offense was so 
shitty that their defense was on the field for like 45 minutes. I don't give a yeah. shit what do you, you can put the 85 bears on the field, uh, their yeah. defense. And if you make them play 45 minutes of a 60 minute game there, you're going to score a lot of points. So I, I'm, I'm not really impressed with what I think last week, you just throw that game out. Um, the saints mm-hmm. defense though, playing really well, two or more takeaways and have allowed fewer than 15 points in four straight games. But the Falcons have come up under Raheem Morris, right? Four and two record. They're putting up 28.8 points per game. But here's where I think they're making their money, where Raheem Morris is making their money. 20 points per game allowed. Way, way better than under Quinn. I think uh, 11 takeaways, 15 sacks as well. So look at that defense the Falcons are playing under Raheem Morris. Both teams are about 500 against the spread. Atlanta lost to New Orleans two weeks ago, 24 to 9. I think this yep. is going to stick in Atlanta's craw. They're at home this week. They're my second money line, Maddie, pick of the week. Yeah, that's 24 uh, 29 game, or sorry, 24 2 9 game. Um, that still had Taysom Hill under center for the, for the Saints. Um, and that game was actually really competitive for the first half, but Atlanta failed to score in the final 30 minutes. And they ran the ball for exactly 59 yards that game. But more importantly, the Saints registered eight sacks in that game. And as you say, this is going to be a much more difficult task this week against Matty Ice as opposed to a, a wide receiver off your practice squad a day before. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Matty. Um, I'll take the points. Um May not consider a money line on this, but uh, look for the uh, slight revenge factor here. And yeah, uh, the coaching has, has stepped up a lot. And yeah, Taysom Hill is not Drew Brees. Um, and yeah, let's go, Matty Ice. Yeah, ever since I was a boy, I've always loved the Atlanta Falcons. Let's go. Up to the Pacific Northwest, where the Seattle Seahawks are laying 10 points at home against the New York Giants. A bunch of that spread is probably due to the fact that Danny Dimes is likely to be out for this game. And uh, um, I Actually, I heard he's likely to be in this game. He's uh, likely uh, to be in this game? Yeah, I just heard that uh, a couple hours ago. And okay, because yeah. I checked last night, and I, that's when my research is from. I, I, I read a couple articles that said they thought he'd... More than likely to be out. So let's actually talk about it as if Danny Dimes is going to be in then. Um, Seattle, well, I, I'm not impressed with their defense. Nobody is. They, <laughs> well, you, there's nothing impressive about it. Um, now, they have come on in the last four games. I got to give them a little bit respect. The last four games have been a little bit better defensively. 20.3 points per game allowed. Uh, 317 total yards per game allowed, which is a lot better than the over 400 they were allowing. Um, and they've been getting four sacks a game. So much better credit where credit is due. However, the giants have a really good O line and Mm -hmm. you saw what happened toward the end of the game last week, Seattle let Carson Wentz get that backdoor cover on them. And now they're giving up more points. They're giving up 10 as opposed to six and a half. You know what? I'm tired of Seattle fucking bending me over and fucking me on Sundays. I'm taking the G men. Yeah, I'm taking the G men as well. Um, 
you were talking about their offensive line. I think what impresses me the most about the Giants this year is their defensive line, their front seven. Um, Russell Wilson will not have enough time in the backfield to cook a steak this Sunday. Um, versus, sorry, I want to go back to that Sunday night game with the Eagles and, sure. uh, and the Seahawks. At the end of the game... You know, everyone's shaking hands, and Carson Wentz comes over, and he, you know, he puts his arm around Russell Wilson's shoulder, and he's just absolutely towering over him, like he's at least a half a foot taller, right? Yep. And then I'm thinking, like, why does everyone talk about needing a prototypical quarterback who's six foot five with a cannon of an arm? And we, yeah, we can't we can't draft anyone like Kyler Murray who's only six feet tall or like Russell Wilson. Are you kidding me? You know, seeing those two guys juxtapose right next to each other, um, and then you look at their their play on the field that day, it's, it's like forget it, throw that stuff out. Yeah, Carson Wentz. Look, Carson Wentz looks like a prototype, but yeah. from a clean pocket, he throws more picks than anybody else. Oh, so prototype. And yeah, Danny when, Dimes. Danny Dimes is also a prototypical quarterback, but he kind of plays like one too. Yeah. And Seattle gives up by far the most yards passing uh, in the league. I think you might have a field day with him. Ten points. Sorry, dude. Too much. Got to go with the G-men. Shithawks. Big, dirty. They're coming, Bubbles. They're flying in low. They're swooping down, shitting on people, and dragging them off to the big shit nest. You know I ride with my Arizona Cardinals. Most likely I'ma die as an Arizona Cardinal. I'm going outside, ripping Arizona Cardinals. And everywhere I go, I rip my Arizona Cardinals. Well, the Arizona Cardinals are at home this week, and that's another home dog in a division game. Arizona, three-point underdogs to the visiting L.A. Rams, who are coming off a pretty harsh loss against the San Francisco 49ers last week. 48 and a half, you're over-under. The Rams have scored fewer than 30 points in six straight games, which is actually, I checked it, the longest such streak of the McVeigh era. And uh, <clears throat> however, though, the Rams are 6 0 versus the Cardinals in the Sean McVeigh era, which means he knows how to game plan. Uh, you know, they've, they've beat the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. You think they can do it again? Well, you, what's unique here is you got both teams coming off a three point loss from last week, right? And it's like, last second field goals with both games. So you've got your obligatory three-point divisional spread, a little bit of juice on the home team dog. I, I don't know what I don't know if I don't know what Ram team is going to show up. And in fact, Arizona had every opportunity to win that game against the Patriots, and that was a matter of Cliff Kingsbury being outcoached by Bill Belichick. I think it's a bounce-back spot here for Arizona. I like them at home, and as you say, the Rams' offense has been sputtering as of late. Um, they've got got a few guys on their uh, defensive line that are banged up, and I think that Tyler Murray can exploit that with Kenyon Drake in the backfield. I, I like Arizona here. Yeah, Arizona's and, oh, by the way, by the way, they're getting Larry Fitzgerald back, whom they didn't have in New England. You're absolutely right. The L.A. Rams, their offense has really had a hard time and Jared Goff in particular who started out pretty well this year uh, mm. but since week eight 10 giveaways that's the most in the NFL in that time span uh, I, I, Arizona's playing much better defense uh, than they have in recent years and according to next gen stats Kyler Murray's offensive line is doing their job as well he's been pressured on 12.6 percent of his dropbacks this season that is the lowest in the NFL and then you yeah. add to that the fact that if he does get pressured, that dude's got a set of wheels on him. 
may not yeah. be very tall, but he sure as shit can get himself out of trouble. Uh, you know, the LA Rams, they've, you, you can never count out Aaron Donald. For some reason, it wouldn't surprise me to see him chase Kyler Murray down, but uh, he's only one man. I think that the Arizona Cardinals not only cover here, they're going to be my final money line Maddie pick this week. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. Don L.A., California. Oh, what yeah. you say about Los Angeles? Still the only place for me that never rains in the sun. To live and die in L.A., where every day we try to fatten our pockets. Up next, we head to L.A., where the Chargers are going to be taking on the visiting New England Patriots. The Chargers-Patriots game here is at a pick'em right now. 47's your over-under, and I don't know, man, what, you want to flip a coin on this one? Because I really don't like picking. I mean, if you're going to give me a coin flip, a lot of the times you and I end up just talking about head coaching. Uh, we're talking Bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn. Who wins in that one? Well, that's <clears throat> it's like you're reading my notes, Matt. I, I, I got not, not a lot to talk about the play on the field, but the coaching matchup uh, certainly favors the Patriots who are on the road. If you look at the last game where the Chargers were playing the Bills, so in the, fir- in the first half, they have the ball with 40 seconds left, and the play the play clock and uh, the game clock were about the same at 20 seconds. He decides to take a timeout in which they punt the ball. Why bother? Why bother giving the ball back with 20 seconds? He could have just let it run out to make it even worse and to compound that effect at the end of the game. Oh, this is great. They need two scores. They need two scores and their first and goal with 10 seconds left. And he runs the fucking football. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what stratosphere does this guy come from? You can't fix stupid. Uh, <laughs> I would, I'd just like to see a chess game against Anthony Lynn and Bill Belichick. Oh. <laughs> It'd be one of those, I, I don't know much about chess in, in the Grand Master scheme. I can play a little bit, but like that would be one of those like three-move checkmates right there. If that. <laughs> if that, yeah. <laughs> I... I'm looking at this game, and it, it, I agree with you. If it comes down to coaching and that, I like what Belichick's done with that defense. And even though they have a, a, a much, much worse offense than he's had in years, they've been in a lot of games this year that they probably shouldn't have been. I expect them to be in this game as well. And if it comes down to coaching, I'm going to side with the New England Patriots. I've handled dozens of balls over the past week. Well, the Minnesota Vikings been known to lose a game or two. Chicago's got the Bears, but Lord, who cares? And the fans are always feeling blue. And the fans of the Lions are always crying because the boys are always out of luck. But everybody knows that the Packers suck. Our final game of the late afternoon window is the Green Bay Packers at home on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. They're laying eight and a half points against the visiting Philadelphia Eagles. And Andy, this this spread kind of blows my mind as the Eagles covered six and a half last week. I honestly, and I don't think they're going to win. Well, but Wentz is a backdoor guy. And this eight and a half points, it's, I don't want to pick Philadelphia because they stink. Tell me, please give me some reason to pick Green Bay. Well, it was windy and it was raining in Philadelphia last week, um, and then you, you know, you combine that with the fact that Seattle's got such a bad pass defense 
that it allows guys like Carson Wentz to get down the field and, and do a backdoor cover. Green Bay's defense, although not anything close to stellar, is way better than that of the Seahawks. And I just, there's no possible way that, I mean, if you just do a quarterback matchup between um, Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers, it's not even close. The rest of the team, Green Bay is is kind of firing on all cylinders, specifically on offense. Their defense is bringing up, you know, they're not great, but they're doing their job, getting it done. I, I don't see any reason why Green Bay can't cover this eight and a half. I really don't. Phil, every time I see Philadelphia, you think, oh, yeah, well, maybe they can come out and cover. And then you see one drive and you're like, why, why would I pick them? Why did I pick them? And I'm not going through that this week. I'm just going to go with the Packers. I know it's a very square play, but that's the way the chips fall. Well, I'm going to back up because I'm going with you. I think I'm going to take the Packers minus eight and a half points. Uh, and I'm going to back that up with a few stats for us here. Carson Wentz, 0-3 in his career when facing the NFL passer rating leader. In those games, he's been outscored 92 to 36. The Eagles are going to have a hard time getting to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Packers have allowed one sack or fewer in 10 of 11 games this year. And Carson Wentz is a giveaway machine. He's got one or more giveaways in 10 of 11 games this year. So they're, Philly's just turning the ball over. And last week, there's just no more ex- excuses. He had, he had more of his weapons back than he has at any time this season. Although he still doesn't have a very good O-line because all those guys are hurt. So I'm taking the Green Bay Packers here. I hate the fucking Eagles, man. We go to Kansas City. 14 points is what the Chiefs are laying at home and the Denver Broncos are coming to town. 50 and a half is your over-under. And I really think that this is a ridiculously lopsided spread. But before we talk to that, last week, that game should have never aired. The NFL has cultivated a competitive and amazing product throughout its history. And for the league to allow what happened to go on the field last week, that was ridiculous. That was that was that was absolute worth, bullshit. That that's was like that was yeah. It was like watching a good high school beat up on a shitty high school. And you know they'll bend over backwards and they move the Ravens Baltimore or the Ravens Pittsburgh game three different times. But oh, the Broncos don't have any starting quarterbacks, but they're going to make them play out of spite. Um, you know Drew Locke. You know he tweeted out and he was taking full responsibility for the situation, but. I mean, you had to feel bad for Kendall Hinton. Um, he had exactly one completion and exactly two INTs last week for a total of 13 yards and a quarterback rating that looked more like a, a probability of winning a state lottery. I, I got to imagine that Don Fangio is going to be pretty pissed um, after having to play that game and sort of get embarrassed. But, I mean, no one's slighting the Broncos for that. Um, yeah, that was, that was bullshit. Like, this yeah. is a divisional matchup. And it's a, uh, the Broncos have a good defense. Kansas City, I, I agree, they're rolling. But we're talking about 14 points in an NFL game in a divisional matchup, and you're expecting me not to take it? It's, I know why people are going to say Casey, okay? And right. we got to give Casey their yeah. due. Pa- Patrick Mahomes, 30 pass touchdowns and two interceptions this year. That's a 15 to one ratio. That's the best touchdown to interception ratio in a season in NFL history. I mean, this kid is, 
He's making a name for himself and doing it early. However, December is the only month in Patrick Mahomes' regular season career that he has a passer rating below 100. I did um, not know that. Now, these two teams met already uh, in late October, and the Chiefs absolutely destroyed the Broncos 43-16. to Yeah. So they would have covered then, and that was in Denver. Uh, that was in Denver. Right. Um, you know, Casey, again, they're looking at the big picture here. I mean, their goal is to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Um, there's no points for style in annihilating teams. This is not college football. Um, if they get uh, if they get a decent lead, I see Andy Reid going to the running game and sticking with it. Denver is going to be pulling out all the stops. Like the, you're going to see more trick plays with that Denver team than you probably will in most games. Um, and if any of those go right, I can easy, easily see them covering the 14. I don't see it going to be. High, I don't see it as a high, particularly high scoring game, but and divisional divisional matchup. Got to take the 14 points, right? Yeah, the last three games, the Chiefs haven't blown their opponents away. So three weeks ago, they played the Panthers. They won 33 to 31. Then they played the Raiders. They won 35 to 31. So that's two games in a row. They let 31 points get on the board. And then last week yep. against the Bucks, 27 24. They're not blowing teams out of the water. I mean, they blew the Jets out of the water and the Broncos, but the you got to remember, too, the Broncos five weeks ago were utterly destroyed by injuries, way more so than they are now. Go oh, for sure. So I'm going to, I agree with you. This is a divisional game. 14 points. Let's go, Broncos. Go, America. Go, America. Go, Broncos. Yeah, go, Broncos. Yeah. Well, it's Saturday night and not just. Well, this week we've got uh, two Monday night games and a Tuesday night game. So our first Monday night game is uh, going to take place at 5 p.m. Eastern, and that's uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they are seven-and-a-half-point favorites against the Washington professional football team. Now, this is a uh, very short week for the Steelers, and they've become a one-dimensional passing team. And now they're looking at playing one of the best passing defenses in the NFL. What do you, and there might be some snow in the forecast, although we, re, we record this show on a Thursday. Monday is a little far away to be making weather pronouncements. Uh, it is. But we were talking about how the Broncos were pissed about the scheduling changes. How, how pissed are the Steelers? That's the second time this year that they've had to accommodate someone else's schedule for their COVID problems. Yeah, you would you know, think if the NFL was going to do this right, it would be Washington-Pittsburgh on Tuesday night and Dallas-Baltimore Monday night. Right. You would and give Pittsburgh like, the extra day. Pittsburgh was going to... Uh, Mike Tomlin was going to give his guys three days off um, after playing on Thursday night for Thanksgiving weekend. And instead, it's Washington that played that early game. So you've got a huge differential uh, in terms of when they played. You know, it's not like Dallas is the most physical team in the league. But trust me, the Ravens are a physical team in the league. And you got to imagine that these Steeler players are a little bit banged up. That was a uh, that was a fight in the trenches yesterday. And sure was. I, I, the line started at 10 
uh, before that Ravens game. And I think they're, yeah, their one-dimensionalness, if that's a word, showed. And they can only uh, they can only pass the ball down the field. They can't rush. They can't rush anything. Um, I like the, I like the professional football team from Washington here to cover under a, or yeah to cover uh, seven and a half points. So I want to go through the Steelers eleven and zero schedule and what they've done. First, they beat the New York Giants, who were absolutely abysmal, and that was when they lost Saquon Barkley. Right, that game. Mm-hmm. So that that was one win. Then they just barely beat a Broncos team that didn't have Vaughn Miller, and that's when they had a bunch of their injury issues come up as well. Yep. Then they beat Bill O'Brien in the Houston Texans. Then they beat Carson Wentz in the Eagles. Then they beat an overrated Browns team. Uh, In Tennessee, they were bailed out by the refs. They barely beat the Ravens uh, the first time. Uh, Barely beat the three and eight Cowboys. They beat a two win Bengals team. Uh, They beat the Jaguars. And then just last week, they barely beat a Ravens practice squad, third string and third string quarterback. So you're a fraud. A, a total fraud. Pittsburgh, they're eleven and zero. They won those games. I totally get it, and I still think they're going to win this game. Are they going to do it by more than seven and a half points? I can't see it. I'm taking the Washington Professional Football Team in that ridiculous pass rush with Chase Young. Man, he is a beast. So uh, let's go, Professional Football Team. Doctor said I wouldn't have so many nosebleeds if I kept my finger out of there. <laughs> And in the regular Monday night time slot of 8.20 kickoff, Eastern that is, uh, San Francisco is at home and they're two and a half point underdogs uh, to the visiting Buffalo Bills. I've actually seen this down to actually a one point uh, game or one point spread. Uh, this is uh, 48 is your over under and also it should be mentioned they are no longer in Santa Clara as Santa Clara County kicked them out. They are going to be playing the next couple home games in Arizona. That could uh, have an effect on the team as well. Correct, Andy? I think it's going to have a positive one. They're essentially going to be in a bubble for three weeks, all away from their family and the distractions that that carries. Family, religion, friendship. These are the three demons you must slay if you wish to succeed in business. When opportunity knocks, you don't want to be driving to the maternity hospital or sitting in some phony baloney church or synagogue. Um, it's just like being on the road. You know, they're playing PlayStation 5 probably now and uh, gelling as a team. And my gosh, that was an inspirational win against the Rams last week with that last second field goal by your guy, Robbie Gould. Um, but they had a they, they were riding high. They got a bunch of guys off the IR that included Richard Sherman, Eric Armstead, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, Reed Mostert, Debo Samuel, and this week they're getting uh, the first-round draft pick, Brandon Ayuk, back, uh, who was in COVID protocol last week. And they're looking at the record at 5-6. and six. They're very much in the hunt. Um, you know, Arizona's playing the Rams. One of them's going to lose this week, which means, you know, if, if uh, San Fran can close this one out, uh, they're going to narrow that gap considerably. And, you know, Buffalo... They can put up points. There's no question. Um, one of the top passing teams in the league, but they uh, they're not doing it on defense like they were last year. And I like uh, I like the, I like the 49ers in an underdog spot here at uh, plus two and a half. 
<sighs> well, Buffalo, man, they're looking good this season. Josh Allen, this stat blew me away. Uh, he's got a 102.3 passer rating this season. That's the highest in a single season in Bill's history. I thought that would have gone to Jim Kelly and would have been a little higher, but there you have it, Josh th- Allen. Yeah, so you would have thought so. Yeah. Um, the Bills are also averaging 370 or more total yards per game for the fourth time in franchise history. In two of the previous such seasons, they reached either the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl. Uh, their defense, that's really what it hinges on. Um, my problem is the 49ers have been known not to play well without Jimmy G. They're 22 and 8 with them, 6 and 23 with all other QBs. And watching the game last week, uh, man, Debo Samuels, that defense, a lot of those guys came to play, but I don't think Nick Mullins is the real deal. And I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with Buffalo here. And I like that it's under a touchdown. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills on the road to cover uh, a two and a half point spread. However, if you're a smart better, I think you should look to see if you can get that spread down to uh, one or one and a half because I have seen it there at other sports books. If you walk through the garden And finally, a Tuesday night football game where the Baltimore Ravens are laying nine and a half points at home against the visiting Dallas Cowboys. And man, I, you know, the Ravens, they have not been very good the last few weeks. Uh, I haven't really been super impressed with them, even in their wins. And uh, they're playing a Dallas Cowboys team that is just, uh, you know, every now and then they'll show up and they'll at least keep it tight. But if not, they just get blown out of the water. This spread to me, I have no idea what's going to happen here. Uh, I just well, should what, we assume that think? Lamar Jackson's going to be playing? Well, that's that what I, I am assuming. Yes, I am assuming Lamar Jackson will be good to play by Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough game against the, the Steelers for them last night. Again, sort of that black and blue game. You know they're going to be beat up. Uh, it's going to be a short week in another situation where Dallas is coming off extra rest playing on Thanksgiving Thursday. Um so, you know, and the, and the, the Ravens, rather, uh, if they have a snowball's chance in hell of making the playoffs, they have to beat the Browns next week. So they got the Browns on deck, meaning it's an almost wise guys sandwich game. What are you? An idiot sandwich. And in, I think we called a sandwich game a couple weeks ago in Minnesota when Dallas went up there and, and uh, won outright on a big spread. Uh, I like the Cowboys here. I just think Baltimore's too banged up and on short rest and 23 guys on their IR <laughs> with, uh, that included most of those were, were COVID-related illnesses. Uh, it's taken its toll because that went through the coaching staff as well. So they haven't been able to practice much, which certainly showed if uh, RG3 wasn't the type of running quarterback that he was, I don't think that game would have been nearly as close. But I, li- I like the Cowboys to cover nine and a half here. Yeah, I do too. I think that the Dallas Cowboys can come in and at least keep it somewhat, somewhat respectable. No way I'm uh, ma- wasting a money line Maddie pick on the Cowboys this season, but I like them here against the Ravens to cover that nine and a half points on the road. And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're visiting our buddy, the Doc, and he's got Spiffy's Gold Pick of the Week. That's gold, Jerry. Gold. I love 
And uh, apparently Spiffy really does like podcasts. Uh, the, the three weeks that he's been on our podcast here on Almost Wise Guys, his record has been pretty darn good. So weeks 8, 11, and 12, Doc, his picks, so his gold and his hot picks, week 8, 2, and 1, week 11, 2, and 1, week 12, 3, and 1. That's 7 and 3. That's a 70% win percentage, dude. So Spiffy's on the ball. I hope you gave him some extra bites to eat. Spiffy's been well fed. <laughs> Spiffy actually had six games last week. We decided to talk about four of them, and we went three and one on those. But he won the other two as well. So Spiffy thinks he was five and one last week. Yeah, Spiffy was Spiffy was good sufficient. on New England. That was great last. That was a good. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Well, Spiffy let's see did. what you want to see what Spiffy has <laughs> on board this week. It's it's always surprising to me to see. I mean, Spiffy's just essentially a recipe. You grind these numbers up and spit these numbers out. And this week, Spiffy says he likes four games. Can I make, can I guess one? You can guess as many as you want. Okay, well, I just, I think the most ludicrous spread on the table this week is Kansas City, Denver, with Kansas City by more than four, or by 14 points. I think uh, that's a big hangover letdown type spot for Kansas City. Actually, uh, I'm going to I'm going to argue that Spiffy probably took the Chiefs, but I'm going to make another Spiffy guess. I'm going to guess that Spiffy likes the G-men. The G-men. G-G-G-G-men. Yes, not 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 quite enough to risk no, any reputation right. or anything on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, what, Spiffy what, thinks what, what, so go ahead, Matty. What? So what's what? Start with the hot picks. Save the gold pick for last. What are what are the okay. hot picks this week for Spiffy? Spiffy hot picks. That's hot. Uh, one coming from Houston. Indianapolis is visiting Houston, getting three and a half points. And Spiffy likes the Oya Oilers. I'll be okay. The Texans <laughs> to win outright, and and he also likes the points. Well, so. they always do play well in the House of Pain. Hang on, is Warren Moon lining up under center for that game? It's it's always nice to see Jerry Glanville with that big ten gallon hat on the sideline, big belt buckle. Really, yeah, goodness. Deshaun <laughs> Watson looked really good on Thanksgiving, I thought, and uh, I, I was a lot really of happy. People, a lot of people look good against the Lions, though. Well, it, it's true, but I mean, he. I love that people are uh, donating to his charity from yes. Detroit. Helped get the firings going. You know this. This wasn't Deshaun Watson. This wasn't just last game, though. His last six games, and we're going to talk about this more in depth when we talk about Indy Houston. Uh, he's PFF's highest graded quarterback since Week Five, a ninety-two point two. Yeah, he's fun. So to watch. he's right. He's doing well, though. It's I. I kind of like Spiffy's pick here. Houston plus three and a half. Yeah, right? Spiffy was impressed with Houston and, and not so impressed with Indy last week. So. Uh, Smithy, otherwise, does Smithy like Houston to win outright? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Smithy, Smithy projects Houston to win by a point, and he take the three and a half along with it, and that's one hot pick. Another hot pick comes from Lambeau Field, where the tundra isn't quite frozen yet, but the Phillies are getting eight and a half points, and Smithy likes those points. You know, Smithy saw Philly hang tough against Seattle with essentially no offense and thinks, well, you know, if they can do it once, maybe they could do it again. Carson Wentz right. is your backdoor man. Oh, man, horrible. Um, but it's Spiffy's game. I keep saying, you know, I let, let Spiffy do what he does. There's another hot pick 
in uh, Los Angeles where the New Englands are in town, and Spiffy likes New England plus zero. Um, mm. Yeah, that game's England, a pick 'em. New England outright to win. New England on the money line. Spiffy. If you saw the last couple minutes of New England against Arizona last week, and the last couple minutes of the Chargers against Buffalo last week, the the spread here looks insane. It's like uh, a chess grandmaster playing against somebody who's just starting to learn how to play checkers. You say, if Belichick can't find a weakness on this Charger team to exploit, then Spiffy's ready to retire. <laughs> and the hot, the hottest hot pick, the gold of the so week. So the gold pick of the week. The gold pick of the week is from Miami, where Spiffy likes the points. He says yeah. Cincinnati and eleven and a half is the gold. Yeah, that's good, and that's that's a weird spread because you've got such a low total at forty-two. Like, how bad do they think the Bengals are? I I don't really get that. I think yeah, I to- totally agree with Spiffy on that. Okay, so <laughs> the books they run with trying to divide the public in half. Yeah, yep. and I know. Joe Burrow is a big deal. And people are like, whoa, you know, the Bengals are toast without Joe. And maybe not. They played some good defense against good teams lately. And here's another chance to do that. So that's the gold pick as far as Spiffy's concerned. His favorite money line thing is New England. Lost favorite, you can't really money line a zero, though, can you? Sure. Okay. You say, uh, I'll bet this at, well, I guess it's the same as taking them against the spread, isn't it? Yeah. It's minus 110 in both places. But Spiffy's like, you know, there's some high-priced payoffs on the money line. And if you're into long shots, you know, help yourself. But Spiffy thinks New England is the best value on the money line page. So, Well, awesome, Doc. We appreciate you stopping by. And as always, uh, we're looking forward to see how how, uh, Spiffy... Fairs on Sunday and Monday. Well, and I guess Tuesday this week because uh, we do have a Tuesday nighter. So anyway, we know right. you got to run. So thank you so much for your time, Doc. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks very much, fellas. Good luck. We'll talk right, later. Cheers, Doc. Bye. Please hang up and try again. Well, now it's time for your weekly total tease. This is where Andy and I both give you a total that we like for the weekend and also a teaser. So, Andy, uh, without further ado, what do you got for us this week, pal? Well, we are going to Nashville for the first one, uh, where the Browns are playing the Tennessee Titans. Uh, both run heavy teams with Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. You got a total at 54 and a half. And I know that both teams can put up points, but I see this one um, taking a slow pace, long. Um, drawn out drives and the total or the total of that game to go under the posted total of 54 and a half for the teaser. We are going to South beach and I don't have to do teasers like this, but I thought plus 11 and a half was a ridiculous spread for the Bengals that they can easily cover. But what if it was 17 and a half <laughs> and that's, uh, that's taking it through a couple key numbers as well. 14 and 17. Um, and then last, the last leg of that is in Lambeau. And simply for the Green Bay Packers to beat the fledgling Eagles, um, 
just by a field goal or more, um, taking that total down through the seven, the four, and the three to minus two and a half. So to recap, Cleveland, Tennessee under 54 and a half. Teaser, Cincinnati, plus 17 and a half. Green Bay to minus two and a half. Well, for the second time in as many weeks, Andy and I agree on the total. I think Cleveland at Tennessee, 54 and a half. Uh, that, that makes total sense. Two, the number one rushing offense versus the number two rushing offense. That means it's going to be a ball control game, especially with two decent defenses as well. So definitely take the under. In fact, I've actually seen that. I, I bought that when it came out because I knew that was coming down. It's already at 53 and a half at a lot of sports books. Uh, for my teaser, I w- I'm with you on game number one of that as well. Cincinnati at Miami. You bet your arse I'll take that right up to plus 17 and a half. Uh, on the side of the Bengals. And then I like another road dog for the back half of my teaser, which is uh, Denver at KC. Oh, you like, I like Denver at uh, plus 14. I like them even better at plus 20. So to recap, Cincinnati at Miami, uh, take the Bengals to plus 17 and a half. Denver at KC, take Denver to plus 20. And I like the under 54 and a half Cleveland at Tennessee. Well, thank you for listening to week 13 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week 13 games across the NFL. From the Costa Nostra studios, a big thank you goes out to the Doc and Spiffy for the gold pick of the week and for any of the prognosticator Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central. I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. My world is strictly cash and carry, and I am Clay Davis. My people need something they know where to find me. Think I'm going to be the scapegoat for the whole damn machine?
gonna be free You're the one she's afraid of Is the word on the street Me. Mm-hmm.